if you go to court in a game that some people, some of us might consider to be a crime already, <laughs> is that like crime squared? It's a double crime to take part in a false court or a bad court. It's like an actual crime, though, isn't that like in, in the real world? That's considered a real <laughs> crime. So, do you have to get a double judge to judge that? I, like I a don't judge know. Squared. Like, I, I'm just picturing a judge on top of another judge's shoulders, just like by like Voltron style or something. <laughs> all right. Maybe they're I mean, twin judges that speak in like creepy unison. <laughs> all right, all right. I really like that one because everybody knows that twins are creepy and they yeah. are, they always share a soul. We have come to a consensus about your legal problems. <laughs> all right, I, let's let's stop kind of beating around the bush on this one. Um, yeah. You discovered that people are being put on trial in Fallout 76. Yep, yep, yep. So, what let's... crime do you have to commit in Fallout 76 to find yourself on trial? Like, is this like some like art role playing server bullshit thing with those cannibals? Um, well, it part is and it part isn't apparently. Okay. So, I think. I, I think it is very much a role playing thing, which okay. is kind of which is kind of cool. I mean, I think I mean they're basically doing the job yeah, of power that stuff yeah. for them. It's like you know what makes Fallout really good: interesting characters, interesting written characters. What does Fallout seventy six not have? Hmm. Well, I guess the players are going to have to make up for that, and I guess they are. I mean, which I think is kind of. Cool. I mean, I, I, all right. So, you know, full disclosure, I'm a dude that has LARPed. I mean, and played, and, you know, when we both have talked about, we both definitely have do, we do role playing games. So, I mean, I don't know not... what you're talking about, but continue. <laughs> I only care about <laughs> sports ball and energy drinks. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and the sports water, the hardcore death water. But, anyways, I will not hear you besmirch the name of Liquid Death. But continue. <laughs> but yeah, um, so essentially, there was a there was a group of actual bandits, you know, basically wrecking havoc as you would, uh, basically acting like most normal players act when you put them in an open world setting. But I think they actually were acting as a group, like a proper group, you know, like a raid. But there's also a group that's uh, called the Fallout Five O that are basically self-appointed police, you know, 5-0, first responder type. And so what they've done is they've decided to set up a court. So what they did was they had a huge, massive fight, apparently, with you know between the two groups, and they managed to take the leader of the group, Warlord, as a prisoner. And instead of just executing him, they've decided to actually hold a court and so they're going all all out on this. As you know, you can build stuff in seventy six. So they they're building a courthouse, or they have already built a court courthouse at this point. And and so yeah, it's like so they're actually going to put them on trial. Is that just the fucking fun police at this point. Like yeah, it's <laughs> it's like sorry, having too much fun. Fun police have come in. Yeah, but, I uh. You know, and I, I just and they're gonna make this episodic. So basically, they've created. Okay, that makes it less cool. Like that—that that fully implies like this is some scripted 
bullshit thing. Like, not, not that bullshit thing. This is some real RPing, like some conversations were had ahead of schedule. Like it's like the Grand Theft Auto role players, where it's like people doing mundane jobs that are also maybe serial killers or. Well, I mean, like they they probably just don't have enough time because they have other things that they have, you know, jobs and stuff. And so they can only spend maybe an hour of time role-playing this through, and the court I, case is probably going to be multi-part. Because they're going to bring, they have, they're going to bring, they have like, you know, they're going to have wasteland lawyers, which I... I, I <laughs> and, and like, all, all, all the different parts, like judges, This even is in, rapidly getting less cool in my book by the word. Well, I'm you know, it's a role-playing server and all, but you know what? There have to be some griefers, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah. That it's that it doesn't just become, you know, Fallout Law or Law and Order Fallout. So, like, what happens when this beautiful, like, thing they've come up with is disrupted by a bunch of people that are like, man, fuck this, this is going too far, and just shoot up and burn down the courthouse? Well, that's what I'm looking forward to. Fair. I okay. mean, that's so, what I'm saying. There have as long to as be the end goal is expected. There have to be griefers on that server because it's it's the internet and it's an internet game, and so like, how do you not plan for that? Sure. So, and there's no way they could possibly prevent you know just people running in with Molotov cocktails and just saying, "Yep, literally burn it, burn it all down to the ground." Yep. And so, once we're done with that, we have to face the uh, double twin judge. Because, yeah, see, once they get burned out of, you know, virtual world, now they have to face the, the mighty wrath of the double judge. That sounds like a weird Persona 5 villain, the double judge. I think you just gave somebody an idea. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome cast number. I don't actually remember. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me let me check for you. One hundred seventy-three. One seventy-three. So I was about to say one seventy-two. So that was good last thing week. You, yeah, that was last week. So our 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 super extra value one that we had last week. This week is oh. going to be. Yeah, that one was long, but there's a lot to talk about. I I'm mean, really sorry about how bad my voice sounded by the end, and then also to anyone I talked to for the three days after that podcast got recorded. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so I am here. I am Kraken Zero, a.k.a. Nomad Har, a.k.a. Henry, and the master of the Wicked Awesome cast, Charlie. A.K.A. Mordak Undivided. Keep giving me weird titles. Here. I think it's myself is more like the mechanic on the Titanic who's like, well, gotta keep this thing going. Hope we're hitting <laughs> iceberg. <laughs> but in any case, yes. Uh, we are missing an Alex today. Uh, so, so let's just jump right into those because we got some fantastic theories about where Alex actually is this week. Um, <laughs> okay. that, like, for his request, we, we have gotten some where he is at, and they're mm. great. Just run down Fantastic. the list? Alright, let's get into it. Alright, I'll, I'll just run down the list. Um, mm. First one we got was Alex is obviously in the Shadow Realm, but his version of the Shadow Realm is being forced to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! So he finally actually knows what the hell the Shadow Realm is. <laughs> 
came in from oh, Adam. Um, the second one came in from Samantha. Alex's downstairs neighbor finally snapped and is currently holding him hostage. Also a very <laughs> real possibility. It's the same downstairs neighbor. Um, this one came in from Anonymous. Alex has gone full Portland and is not on this podcast, ironically. <laughs> He's, it's not cool anymore enough. Yeah. It's not hip enough. I He's hope- grown an additional beard on top of his beard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beard squared. <laughs> it's the comb over beard. <laughs> I, I hope I pronounced this name right. I think it's Giannis. Uh, Yanni. Uh, maybe. There's, there's three it's, N's it's off- in this. It's often Yanni, but anyways. Fair. Yeah. Uh, Alex is in the hospital after he was after the murder. So Animal said his apartment finally got to him. Or ganged <laughs> up on him. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's what I'm actually betting on. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Max. He got shot by his spider's girlfriend. Or sorry, he's got, he got shot by his girlfriend's spider. Duh. It's <laughs> a callback to a bad joke from a long time ago. <laughs> this one came in from Anonymous. He is currently playing a secret closed alpha of the Matrix Online 2. Hey, you know. Hey, he may be coming back with some big news next yeah. week. And last but not least, another one from Anonymous. Alex isn't actually not on the podcast. He's just biding his time until he can jump in just to fuck with the listeners. <laughs> uh, we will report back next week with Alex's pick for which of the best options he was off doing. I really hope it's the animals got him. Thank you so much for sending Thank all you. those. Thank These were fantastic to read. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> oh, great. We have good listeners. Yeah, we do. We really do. Yeah, they understand Alex's apartment is a hellscape. <laughs> Not physically, just full of animals that want to kill people. <laughs> also, it's I was Austral- to- It's basically Little Australia. Yeah, you- have you heard about the number of animals that can kill a person in Alex's apartment? Uh, I no, at this point, I'm not sure. Okay, I. <laughs> I'm, 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 I precious wait for him to do this next week to get the full tally, but like mm. at its peak. There were two uh, flesh-eating lizards, a large snake, three or four venomous tarantulas and or spiders, and a couple other creepy crawlies, at least two different types of scorpions. Um, I can't forget, oh, two dogs, but not the dangerous ones, I guess. Like, I, mm, I don't yeah. remember what else was in there, but I remember, like, it was, I think he had, like, something called tegus or something that, like, are the those are the lizards I was talking about that, like, that swallow like rats whole and stuff like that? That the jokes are like one his feet. I, it's like a snake lizard. Yeah, I mean, lizards are, snakes are lizards, yeah. but I mean that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, and there, terrifying. There was a point in time <laughs> where he had like the drug dealer uh, crime boss table, where it was like <laughs> a coffee table with just a snake living under it. <laughs> Like, in, like that's the amazing. snake cage was the coffee table. I remember correctly. That's so cool. That's yeah. that's very also James Bond yeah. villain. So that's that's what comes to my mind. Yeah. because I'm a I'm a I'm a weird dude. No, I, Mr. Bond, I expect you to get fed to my coffee table snake. Yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> that definitely tracks. Well, so uh, Alex's uh, House of Horrors aside, what have you been up to this week, man? I all right, so. First, I'll just talk about a show I watched that I put off for a while. It's it's not an old show at this point. It's not. It came out not too long ago. It's called Urahara, and it is it's based in 
uh, Alright, so it's based in Harajuku. And Harajuku, if you're not familiar, it's a it's a section of Tokyo. Is that the fashion That's, district? Or I'm thinking of a different part. It's it's a fashion okay. district. And so like it's, what it's is that in Shinjuku, I think, are the traditional fashion? Shinjuku and Shibuya. Okay, yeah. Yep, yep. And they're all they're all right beside each other. They're, these are they're all adjacent to each other in Tokyo. Yeah. They're all in sort of West Tokyo. And so Harajuku is known as sort of an alternative fashion area. So you'll see people there dressed wildly and sort is of... Is that where, like, of, the cosplay happens or where the goths happen? Um, well, alright, so that's kind of an interesting story, and I'll go into that real quick. So, up in... up through the 2000s, it was very much the goth district, like, heavily super goth and okay. punk district, like, metal. And it slowly kind of morphed into pink and pastels, but... S still kind of similar looking fashions, but now everything's in pink and pastel and stuff. There's still some of the old sort of guard of gothy places, but... Like the Lolita white... shit, or... Uh, it's Hang hard on, to I'm describe. Looking, I'm looking it up if, now. Like, literally, if you just look up Harajuku at this oh, point, Oh, it's I mean... like someone, like, still kept the goth aesthetic, but vomited color all over it. Like, that's... Yeah. I... So, it's Almost still sort of the... Al... <laughs> it's still the alternative fashion area. But it's like, yeah, it's like somebody just, like, it's replaced... Rainbow Bright? Yeah, it's like somebody just replaced all the colors with Dayglow. Like, you know, they just went into Photoshop and just, you know, did replace colors and just went, alright, I want this palette now. So, uh, you'll still find some of the old, old guard gothy type sure. people in there, too. So, I mean, if you look in, you'll see a few of them peeking out here and there, and among the pictures, I see a couple. I'm just... A lot of pink. Lot uh, of neon pink. pink. Uh, you'll see some people dress in the all black. I mean, I still see some here, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it is more taken over by like crazy colors. But it's still the alternative fashion area, which I'm down with that. Still, I mean, uh, I think that's cool. But in any case, that's where this show takes place. And the show premise. It, all right. So the way it starts out, it, it kind of has a magical girl premise to it. So basically, and it's and it was. It was in cre created in partnership with an actual shop there called Park. And so the characters in it are people that created the show Park, or created the the shop called Park in okay. Harajuku. And so, but it's, it's sort of like aliens come down, they have to kind of fight the aliens, they get powers to do so. But it actually ends up with a really cool allegory as a really cool allegory on art and commercialism and you when you keep going through it and so that and that was kind of the surprising cool thing i was i was kind of expecting it just to be sort of a light more of a light thing but and it still is it's still pretty lighthearted but it also is very clearly and almost almost like blatantly an allegory on art and commercialism and mm. sort of what it means to be an artist in general and to create art for the masses and creating art for yourself. And and so I found that actually to be really cool. It was actually, uh, you can find this on Crunchyroll. So, I mean, it, you can watch it for free. So it's easy to find. It's right there if, if Crunchyroll is available in your country. But yeah, Urahara... It's it's a great little show. Yeah, it was really surprising how good it was. It, well, high, the animation's really cool. And another thing that they do is, at the end of each episode, you'll see a... They, they'll show a piece of artwork of the main characters done by 
a local artist uh, in Harajuku. And so that's kind of cool. So they're showcasing kind of art by, you know, local artists as well. So, I mean, it really is about highlighting the art movement going on in Harajuku. And I, and I think that's also very cool. But, yeah, very cool. Very, very fun to watch. And with an, kind of a really interesting message. And it made me think, actually. I, it made me have to actually, you know, think about things and consider some things. And I think it's really cool. But, yeah, definitely, I think, well worth watching. It's only 12 episodes, so it's not that long, even if you marathon it. But that was cool. Other things I watched, uh, so there is the GDQX, which was sort of the uh, Games Done Quick, like, small version that they did Extreme. at Stream. Yeah, no, it's not the 90s. <laughs> Extreme! With, like, four X's. Yep. Uh. Because <laughs> three is yeah. pornographic, but four is extreme. Super extreme. But yeah. Extreme. Yeah. And so the highlight for me of that, I didn't watch that much of it. I never end up, as I have other things to do, I can't watch that much of a GDQ. But there is a Zelda 2 speed run, but it was accompanied by live piano music. So there is a pianist like, playing the appropriate music for wherever the person was. Huh. And it was really good, and that also meant playing, you know, live music, like, on, you know, on demand for uh, roughly an hour and ten, hour and twenty minutes, because that's how long this particular run takes. It's a, it's a hundred percent all-keys run. I think it was an all-keys run. I don't remember, uh, but it was a hundred percent run, I know that for sure. And so it takes about an uh, hour and 20 minutes. So that's playing the piano for an hour and 20 minutes straight, but constantly switching between different tunes. And so that was super cool. And, and the pianist did a bang-up job. Like, they were, they were pretty awesome. And, yeah, they did a fantastic job playing the piano. Fantastic piano. I don't remember the runner's name, but you can find it, you can find it clipped on Twitch on the Games Done Quick channel. And, but yeah, that's, it was, it was really cool. I mean, I like Zelda 2 speedruns in general. It's one of my, it's actually kind of my favorite of the Zelda series. I haven't played the newest one, though. Um, but, in any case, that was cool. Other things I did. So, I finally broke into that game that I've been kind of teasing that I was going to play. Oh. And it has, it has a very long title to it. Tokyo Dude, Twilight. Dude, I, I gotta for a second. All of your games have ridiculously long titles to them, like... Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, alright, so this one is Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Gigs. And it's, well, it's, A, it is super anime. It is super, super mega ultra anime. Like, you even play sort of a, a prologue, and then it has like an anime title thing, you know, like like you're going through the title for a TV show, you know, like the title sequence for a TV show, so like a proper long title sequence with credits and everything. And so that was interesting. I also noticed that the Final Fantasy dude did music for that, for this game as well, uh, Nobuo Uematsu. So that's kind of cool. I noticed that in the credits, but in the opening splash credits, after I, I mean, I didn't expect it at all, because I'd played for, I don't know, like 30 minutes or 15 minutes or something, or maybe longer. I don't remember exactly. And then it goes into this title sequence. I was like, oh, 
this is super anime, but the mechanics of it are very cool. And so it's a weird mix of two genres that I wouldn't generally put together. So it is one part dating sim, like absolutely dating sim. And the mechanics of that are interesting to say the least. And so the way it works is you have sort of, it it kind of throws you into this. So I didn't even know what to do with it at first. So every once in a while, as a res- to respond to something, this menu pops up. And it has four directions. You hold a direction or the middle thing, and then you press a button. So there's five choices, essentially. And so no direction or one of the four directions. Each of them has an icon on it corresponding to, like, an emotion. And then after that, like, to what you want to do. Like, there's one that's, like, mouth, hand, nose, and ear, which responds to senses. Or And then in the middle is eye, which is look. And so you'll do one of those actions. Uh, according to what you picked out, and so it's, and that made it tricky because it's not obvious what they're supposed to do. So apparently, I tried to kiss somebody immediately uh, because I thought it was, I thought I picked the wrong icon. I thought it was just uh, to talk. I think it meant to kiss. So I was like, oh, well, I'll have to remember not to just open up conversations with that one. Uh, you open up every <laughs> conversation in that game, Henry. <laughs> But yeah, so that that was uh, interesting. So that's the dating sim part. So, but other than that, it actually had some instead of just your normal kind of static characters that you see in dating sim, it, they're actually animated. Okay. So and the and the animation's actually nice. It's some nice artwork, and it's it's the kind of uh, I can't describe it well, but it's just sort of a nice fluid animation. It looks nice, so it's it has some nice artwork and. And it is nice to actually see the characters responding in real time to their emotions and what they're talking about. So that's kind of cool. So I like so the dating sim part has its own mechanics, and that's pretty cool. But the other part of it is tactical RPG. And so that's, as I've mentioned many times before, that's my thing. Holy crap, that's my thing. And also, I like dating sims, so again, this is a... I was gonna say, like, no, you're also into your weird pervert games, too, hypothetically. Like, let's... How, how did we get here to this not being just your thing? Oh, yeah, so this is, this is like, this is a game that's aimed as, at me. And so it has this... The battles are all tactical RPG. Alright, so... And now, I'll, let me tell you a little bit about what the story is. The story is basically... It's, well, as you know, it's about ghosts, so you're basically Ghostbusters, essentially. Except you can hit them with stuff, so you beat them like you would just beat any, you know, anything with, like, sticks and stuff and weaponry okay. and such. But, okay, so, but there's special weaponry that can hit ghosts. So, yeah, you're basically the Ghostbusters, and you're a, basically a, a high school student that gets roped into this, because, of course, that's what happens. What was the name of this game again? Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Gigs. Is this part of a f- series? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I know something that's similar to this. I didn't have the oh, dating aspect when I played it. Um, essentially, there's a... Yeah, so the tactical RPG part happens interestingly, so it, this is, makes it a little bit different. It makes it more similar to Frozen Synapse, if you're familiar with that game. Okay. So what happens is, in, in a lot of tactical RPGs, it's like, you take a turn, and then the enemy takes a turn, and it's like, it's kind of considered, you know, you, you do all of your actions in your turn, and then they do all their actions during their turn. 
This one, however, is like Spurs and Synapse in that you both take your actions at the same time. Yeah, it's so, a kind of like a real-time turn-based system to it. Yeah, and so you have to. So you'll see a somewhat prediction. So there's. So you'll see sort of clues on where the enemy may go, and there's more than one direction where they might go, and so you have to set up your characters, and there's action points in here, like most tactical RPGs, and so you have to set up your characters to where not only to move in a certain way, but to expect to attack in a certain direction as well. And so that when an enemy moves into those squares for your attack, you'll automatically attack them. And so, and, and there's different, some of them are area effects, some of them are just one, like melee, where it's just sort of three squares, the square, three squares in front of you, the one directly in front of you will do more damage. But yeah, it's a, you have to predict the patterns of the enemies and predict where they're going to go and move accordingly. So you don't, yeah, you don't fire off, you don't move and then fire off your moves. You have to move and then expect where they're going to go. And so that makes it actually pretty cool. I like that. Like, I really liked Frozen Synapse. That is a game I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed playing a lot. I even played it. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but also Frozen Synapse can be played multiplayer. Yes, I'm actually more familiar with Frozen Synapse than most would expect. Yeah. It's and so, not my game necessarily, but it's interesting nonetheless. But yeah, but this game, yeah, it has the similar idea in that all turns happen at the same time, and so you have to expect it. Um, unlike Frozen Snaps, it is in a grid-based system. So it is movement on a grid base, not free movement like Frozen Snaps. Yeah. But same idea. I kind of like that because that's, I mean, as, I mean, I you know, realism, whatever, but it is more realistic in a certain sense. That, you know, you don't get to take, everybody, everybody on your team doesn't get to take their turns and then the other team gets to take their turns. Yeah. Everything happens at the same time. It feels more uh, reactive, I guess maybe is the right word for it. Like it's, I, I wish a not frozen synapse game would take a run at the mechanics, I guess, because it's, yeah, that game is fucking brutal. Yeah, but yeah, but this game does it and it does it well. It's is it, it the also same level some, of brutality or, um, I mean, I guess in a sense, one cool thing that it does though is. You have this kind of over-screen map of whatever area you're in, which is very sim- kind of simplistically laid out, so it's easy to understand, has nice, easy-to-see icons and such. But then it zoom, it does this kind of cool animation to zoom into where the action's about to take place. Like if, some, if a monster or you're attacking, or one of the ghosts are attacking, or if you're attacking, so it zooms in on that like zooms into this grid map and then you see this kind of pop-up thing. It's hard to describe unless you see it, but it goes into it and pulls it up into 3D. And so you, now you see things in 3D all of a sudden whenever it goes to the action. So that's kind of a cool cool thing. So, I'm yeah, so definitely the mechanics are cool. I like the way it's it's laid out. And it's I'm barely into it, though. Um, so I'll have more to say about it next week. I'm gonna yeah I'll say, but so far it's super fun. I like the mechanics. I don't there again. I haven't gotten that far into it to know how in depth they are and how much you know how much depth there will be to the tactics. But in any case, I'm enjoying the game so far, and it's super cool and super fun, and it's spooky scary because October is upon us. My favorite month. 
I'm not doing the rest of that fucking bullshit. Why'd I start? I love Halloween, so. Alright. So, what about you? What have you been up to? I have officially uninstalled the Battle.net launcher from my my laptop. I have I've downloaded I pre-downloaded Destiny 2 from Steam. I can't play it till Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. I go, the yeah. day this podcast goes up, Destiny will be down all day. We were recording on the last day to play Destiny 2 before Shadowkeep comes out. Uh, because of this, I've been trying my hardest implies. I'm trying hard at it, but I've been trying really hard to get through Borderlands 3 before Shadowkeep drops. I am just straight not enjoying Borderlands anymore. I, it's, mm. I, I've entered that thing where I'm really? like, I'm not hating it, but I'm like, I'm only playing this because I want to see it done. Like, there's 100% mm. no chance I'm playing this thing a second time. I I just want to get through this. Like, I, I'm intrigued enough about the story that I'm playing it. I I did one boss fight that almost just made, I, that, that killed my piece playing the game for the rest of the week. Mm. I, I think it was called, like, the Grave Mind or something. It was this big moss. It, it was the second vault monster you fight in the game. And it's just a giant fucking bullet sponge. And I'm sure there's other ways of fighting oh. it I could have figured out. But like the boss fight took a half hour because it was just like, yep, gotta shoot it in the glowing bits. Up, gonna dodge these mechanics. And at least I've built my character enough that the chances of my Amara dying are very low. Yeah. Side, Especially you know, in that side scenario. note, I am so sick of bullet sponge bosses. I just feel like that means. The devs ran out of ideas. Instead of making a clever boss with clever tactics, let's just make it, if you make any mistakes, you die. But make it so long that it's just like, you're likely to make mistakes. And yeah. that's what that's that's all that's all really the purpose of a bullet sponge boss is As to wear who- down your actual endurance until to the point to where you start making mistakes just because now it's dragging on into an hour. Yeah. As someone who plays a lot of Destiny, um, that game also has bullet sponges, but not mm-hmm. in the same way, I guess. Like, it's mm. at least typically raid bosses have some type of mechanic based around them, or it's like you, you have a concept of a damage phase versus a not damage phase. So it's typically more of a puzzle aspect to it. Mm. I have yet, to, I have yet to encounter any any type of boss in Borderlands Three that wasn't just keep shooting it. Like it's. There's no invulnerability phases. There's no like mechanic you have to run beforehand. Like I, it's weird criticizing this because can I play lots of Destiny where a lot of the strike bosses are like that, but also a lot of strike mm. bosses have at least like differing mechanics. Like this thing literally has like five attacks it runs through. Every third of its life bar it adds a new kind of variant on that, and at the same time you could defeat it just by shooting it long enough, kind of thing. Like I. Maybe mm. it's better with four players, but I know with just I was soloing it, and I'm like, this is not fun at all. Like it's like it well, if a you're playing to it. four players, they level up all the bosses anyway. So if yeah, you're playing more I, than I don't one know. Player, so maybe it's faster at that point. Yeah, maybe my gear wasn't correct for it. Who the fuck knows? But I know I, I I beat that, did the stuff after it, and then basically just was like, I don't want to play more of this game that much longer. And like the the sucky thing mm. about it, I think was. Right before or right after, I can't actually remember which one, you fight what I, so far at least, have thought has been the best boss of the game, because Mm. she had, again, like, it was still just shooting her, 
but she had like various like modes i guess is the way of thinking of it like again like yeah like, she had like an invulnerability phase okay she's in this ice prism she's just covering his shields you gotta break those shields it, it didn't help the fact that i'm like yo i have a gun that eats shields for breakfast so <laughs> it doesn't actually matter at this point i need to get the damage in while her shields are down mm. I, I, maybe i'm ahead of the, like it's, it's weird i'm not ahead of the power curve because i keep running into missions that i'm in theory under leveled for but mm -hmm. i have definitely reached a point where and this happens to me i think in all borderlands games where like just massive numbers of at my level enemies are significantly more dangerous than any boss the game has thrown at me in the last like several hours of playing it kind of thing which i think sucks that was the thing with the other borderlands games yeah. too honestly that's 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 definitely just something that's yeah like i i would i never i don't think i ever got killed by a boss in borderlands 1 or 2 i didn't i played way less of 2 than 1 so that yeah. i'll throw that out there but um yeah, but I but I would definitely get killed by normal things that you know that were at my level, around my level, like by normal enemies. Yeah, I, it's we'll yeah, talk I, about this yeah, game I'm more almost... in the news. I'm finding it kind of disappointing at this point. Like I, mm. I, but it's weird. Like I'm having enough fun with that game; it keeps me going. But there's definitely kind of a tedium aspect of it. Like I, I, I basically stopped doing side quests unless I absolutely need to. The the TV is now on 100% of the time in the background. Like, the things I found endearing about the game have definitely fizzled out, where it's like, yeah, mm. I like the bad guys for this game. I kind of, like, they're not there enough. Like, their stick is running dry for me at this point a little bit. I, like, I, it, I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those ones where definitely it's inertia keeping me going at this point, where it's like, nah, you're going to beat this game. You paid a lot of money for it. You bought, you bought the stick. I have I've had more fun with that game's collector's edition boxing around it than I think the actual game at this point. Like <laughs> the, the the ridiculous loot crate it came in mm. in some ways has brought me more joy than that game has so far. And that's because I put my dog in a Borderlands loot box and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess the question is like what do you think would make your experience Better. What could they have done in the game to make your experience better at this I point? I just now that you've think we're bit? living in a post-Destiny world. Like it's one of those ones mm. where it's I, this is Borderlands. Like for anyone who's like, oh, you don't like Borderlands. Maybe I don't like Borderlands anymore. Like yeah, like it's one of those ones where the last time I was into a Borderlands game was Borderlands Two. That was pre-Warframe. That was pre-Division. That was pre-Destiny. Like. And that's a few years ago now. That's seven years ago at this point. Yeah, like it's one of those yeah. ones where it's that's a good long time, and mechanics don't necessarily age well. Well, I, I, I think we, are, they I mean, do we for mentioned that people. before. Like, I, I think it's one of those ones where it's the I'm looking for at this point in my life more of an MMORPG than mm -hmm. Borderlands is equipped to be. Like Borderlands at its truest levels a looter shooter. Like it's yep, it is Diablo with guns. And yeah. nothing more. And it's kind of like, well, is Diablo an MMO? No, it's not. It's a loot-driven RPG. Like, it has its own yeah. cycle and loop to it and all that jazz. Like, it's it's not mm -hmm. an MMO. Like, it has MMO aspects to it. It's got a social hub. But you're not really missing anything necessarily about that game if you're not playing with other people. Like, it's there's no part of Diablo you hypothetically can't do by yourself. Hell, I think I played yeah. the most of Diablo 3 solo at this point. 
And this is why I kind of have both high hopes and I'm a little bit worried about The Outer Worlds, you know, Obsidian's new game I'm, coming out. I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying single-player games are bad. Like, the no, game no, I'm, it's more yeah. that, you know, I hope that they, you know, consider that, you know, you know, mechanics in general have changed over time, you know, it's been a while, and, you know, I mean, the story, I mean, it looks like the characters in the story are already very lively, and yeah. I like the... I like the look of it. I like the art look of it, which to me actually uh, is kind of important to me in a game. Yeah, I. But yeah, I I just wonder about the mechanics. I hope the mechanics also reflect, you know, X many years of developments in video games. So. And I'm not too worried about that one. I guess like that game, like I, that game looks like a, the new Obsidian game. If that makes any sense, like Obsidian's, it's not like Obsidian hasn't made a game since. Fallout New Vegas. They made some other stuff yeah. that's been like a varying quality, but like they're keeping up with the times. It's they're not under some rock. Like I, it's weird. Like if this game had come out even like four, like if Borderlands Three had come out like four years ago, this mm. would be a very different conversation. Like if this game had come out kind of towards the end of D One's uh, Destiny One's life cycle, yeah, you'd be having a very different conversation. Like it's one of those ones where it's the all of Destiny 1 was kind of a weird time for people under looter shooters. Like, it was so all over the place. And I've talked a lot of shit about Destiny 2. Like, I'm not a fan of year one of Destiny 2. But, like, just overall, that game is better than Destiny 1 across the board. Like, it has, mm. it had a series of problems at year one that they have since fixed. Like, it's the, uh, we'll kind of talk about this in a second, actually, too, when I start talking about the Steam transition. But, like, it's, if they had launched Destiny 1 at kind of the quality level and the kind of way the game is going about things at the point D2 is about to kind of roll into, you'd have wrecked the game industry kind of thing. Like, you'd have been dealing with a new wow situation, I think. Like, it's the... Uh, this would have been the game that delivered on what people wanted out of Destiny 1 in some ways. Like, it was it would have actually kind of succeeded where Destiny 1 was poised to do X, Y, and Z and never quite pulled it off because people's expectations were too high. We're kind of there with some of those expectations. Like, yes, it's not some living, breathing one. I can nitpick a variety of aspects of it, but like this new move to a free-to-play model where the content is truly seasonal and you have to be mm -hmm. there to experience the, the story going through the entire year, that's kind of what I always wanted Destiny to be. Like, it's the MMOs, you can return to stuff, but also you don't have to, and nor should you, kind of thing. Like, it's the only the most recent stuff necessarily matters in the grand spectrum of MMOs, and I think there's kind of a certain level of like, yeah, maybe if you go that approach, there's some logic to it, kind of thing. Like, don't exclude people from going back experiencing the cool shit, but it's... I don't know. I Borderlands 3 continues to be weird. Like, I, it's the fact that you can't upgrade gear you like, like, fine... Greens and blues, whatever, you can't upgrade them. But purples and, and oranges, it really sucks when I get a gun I think is real cool at like level 25 and go, well, guess I'll be scrapping this in five or six levels because I have no way of upgrading this. Like I, It's just a little stuff like that that's maddening where you find something that's genuinely cool that you might want to keep using like into the end game, air quotations on that one heavily. Of what that game is, just have to leave it by the wayside. Like again, like I, I'm in a mm. spot where I like my loadout right now, but I'm I'm, I'm at the end of where that loadout starting to be viable, and I'm already like, do I want to keep playing after I have to swap out all these guns? Mm. 
like I I think yeah. the game is too stingy with loot. I think the game does not dole out new gear in an effective rate. I know a, a couple hmm. reviews I've read have said like, man, for a game all about crazy guns, it's real hard to get crazy guns. I don't totally agree with that, but also, yeah, no, there should be like there should be more crazy guns in this game. Like for all the weird bullshit you've shown off. The fact that I've basically totally written off two of the manufacturers for the games just because I don't like them anymore should tell you everything there is to know about this franchise. Like, I used to love Tidori and, Des and not Destiny, Borderlands 2. Tidor, Tidori, how do you pronounce it? The, the guns you throw because they're really disposable. Mm. I thought that was a cool mechanic. The, the fact that they now have, like, other variants on the throne, what, what happens after you throw it, it's cool. But it's one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, they're just they're fancy hand grenades. Now. They're not good guns. I just want to hucking them around a room because that's more useful than actually shooting them at this point. Which is weird. Yeah, but that's kind of their thing in the previous games, too, to a certain extent. Like, they had a weird balancing act. The issue is because they were weirdly disposable. You'd occasionally get these fantastic roles where it's like, yeah, it's got a shit reload, but you're throwing it like a grenade, so who the fuck cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, Malawan is totally off the table because they have this weird charge-up effect. Um, uh, Children of the Vault, which is the new Bandit one, they're cool, <laughs> but I've only found rocket launchers and pistols from them. Like I, I, I it's weird because I know I, I know not every manufacturer makes every type of gun in that game. But it feels like yeah. a couple of them are weirdly limited. Like I, I, I've not seen more than just two types of bandit guns, and maybe there are only two types of bandit guns. That would make a lot of sense. Mm. But I, it feels like a missed opportunity. Like it's one of those ones where I'd like, yeah, Doll doesn't make a shotgun. I get it. But also, what if Doll made a shotgun? Like I, I don't get why Vladoff doesn't make a shotgun. They make under they make shotgun mm. underground attachments for their assault rifles. But why don't they make shotguns? Like, yeah, I get it. Their pistols are basically SMGs. But what if they also made SMGs? Like, I, I hmm. it's a weird conversation because like, no, it's like, it's like, oh, they're different manufacturers. They don't have to make everything. Yeah, I know. But also, like, there needs to be more weirdness or more something because, like, I want to know what Vladoff thinks a rocket launcher is. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting guns like. You know, uh, though it ended up being kind of useless, like a shotgun that also shoots rockets. Yeah. It's probably Torg, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's what they think of what a shotgun is. It yeah. must also fire rockets. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's Torg. And Torg is fun. Like, Torg make, makes some goddamn fantastic shotguns and grenade mods. I would love to know what Torg thinks a sniper rifle is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like don't make them good. Like make them garbage versions of those guns. But like, I want to get a bandit sniper rifle. Sorry, fault. The Children of the Vault sniper rifle, where it's like, yeah, it's got infinite ammo essentially. But man, is it accurate? Like, okay, cool. I know like, I'm not going <laughs> to use this, but like, it's good that this exists. I have my answer. Yeah, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I, yeah. No, yeah. Like I, I'm still playing it because of inertia, and like I'm not having a bad time. But I'm not like. Fuck yeah, Borderlands 3. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this. Because I want to finish it. Like, I, I'm i honestly having more fun on the now up-and-running Steam community page for Destiny 2 than I am with Borderlands 3. <laughs> and not for good reasons, but because, like, 
I talk a lot of shit about Steam and my problem with the Steam community and kind of why I'm like, everything, like, it's like, oh, Epic's bad. No, it's not. It's fine. Well, it doesn't do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but also, like, have you seen what people use it on Steam for? The fact that, like, pinned to the front page, because it's gotten a lot of attention for the Destiny 2, like, community page, is someone going, didn't like Destiny 1, this game is garbage having never played it kind of thing. It's like, yeah, this is, this is wreck. It's just flat out outright lies where it's like this game was poorly supported and badly optimized. Like it's only on Steam because of its dwindling community. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's on Steam because it used to be on Battle.net and Blizzard no longer works with Activision. Like mm. it could have gone to Epic. They came to Steam because that seemed like the smarter move at the time. Like, fuck all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's this beautiful kind of like, I, I, I get it, like, Epic lacks, like, X, Y, it doesn't have ratings, or it doesn't have a good cloud mm. save system, but yeah. also, like, if they never brought ratings, the ability for assholes to post stuff about games on the Epic Store, yeah. they might kind of be okay with that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm increasingly more and more into the idea of, like, make it harder for people to be assholes on the internet. Or you know what? Have a have a commenting system, but have no rating system. Or just you know, so you that you can't comment on a game you don't own. Just a thought. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and though, I mean, at least on Steam, you can tell it says if they own the game or not. It does say that. No, I'm just saying. I, I, I get. That's, I'm just saying you shouldn't be allowed to comment on games you don't own. Like period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I think that should be a thing. But also, I think maybe just like have a comment system, but no actual rating system, so that you don't yeah. get rating bombed, you know, the, so that's not even a thing. Yeah. You just get to, and so I think that'll make people more willing to just write a review that's just like, here's my review of it, take it as you will. Yeah, I also than, think there should be last played, and how many time, how much time total spent playing the game next to your yeah. any comment you make about that game, like I which which they which they do in Steam as well. It's, it shows how, it does say how many hours or however much you no, how I'm much time you have like on record right for. next to your name. Like it's it's an unavoidable thing. Like it's the your gamer tag for that game, and then like those two things should be next to everything you post about that game. Like I, I, yeah, I thought I had that. Though. Think you can or opt Ste into or it or something? Or th it's, it's I mean, Steam, Steam has that. I mean, oh, yeah, when it's, you, it's in there. I'm just saying, like, any time you post on a game's community thing, it should automatically say the last time you played the game and how long you've played that game for. Like, yeah, it's like it should be like a signature on everything you post. Oh yeah, not not just on the reviews. Yeah, because it does, you know, very much. You know, in Steam, it does say how many hours you have on record. Yeah, like I'm looking at one which is I just pulled up one at random, which is a negative one. But the person has 131.5 hours on record, so yeah, that's a that's a safe amount to give a review. Yeah, I mean that's also why that's, the fuck did someone play that much of a game they don't like? But well, apparently this was more about sort of uh, not necessarily about the game itself, which there again it's yeah. like it's more about uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's on. I'm just looking at Total War, one of the Total War sure. series. But in any case. Yeah, but yeah, at least but yeah. I think I do think that maybe rating games. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of divided on that because there again, we're getting like, in the weeds. I, some on this one, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. This is meant more to be a yeah. fun kind of like bullshit thing I've been up to this week because uh, yeah. 
the only new game I've been playing since last podcast is uh, it's a mobile game actually for my phone mm. called uh, Mario Kart Tour. I have heard things about that, but please you go are on. Correct to hear things about that game. Um, it is not good. Mm. It is not really fun, and it Ooh. has some oh, real ow. bullshit How microtransactions. Oh yeah, see that's the part I heard about, but the the fact that it's how do you mess up Mario Kart Mario Kart, which should just it just should just be fun. I so let's break it down, I guess. So I'm like I, maybe I'm not Ooh. being totally fair. Like I <laughs> I have not played a lot of driving games on mobile because why the fuck would you? So the controlling yeah, for this is fair. kind of swipe left, swipe right for controls, and mm. I don't think it feels great. Um all the Mario Kart things you can do in there, you can boost, you can kind of do that power slide grind thing, you can do mm. extra jumping off the top of jumps. I, There are items you can pick up, every race is two laps. I, mm. I, uh, It is Mario Kart in kind of DNA, but like I don't think the driving feels good. Like There's two modes, there's Ooh. manual drift and then like auto. Maybe I'd like manual drift more. I tried that initially and it felt shitty and hard to control. And like I'm now in normal mode and it's fine but not fun. I like I yeah. win almost every race I do in that game. Like it, that's, mm. not, that's not a brag. That's a like I have repeated the same race maybe two or three times so far. And they're against other people. Like this is not like me versus a bunch of CPUs just beasting on shit. Like it's people are genuinely bad at this game and I think it's because of the controls and yeah. like just any mild level of competency with the game makes you fucking unbeatable at this damn thing. And mm. like I'll know like when I'm racing someone who's actually like played a Mario Kart game before I'm like, oh, you know about drifting. Cool. Like there's <laughs> no there's no like acceleration or slow down. Like I I have fucked up terribly in races and still come in first. I <laughs> I have played more of it than I should have based on my level of enjoyment of it. Like, it's the it's the perfect phone game where it's like, yep, swipe, swipe, swipe. Okay, I'm done. Like, go shoot that can to the sky and lock some... Like, I've, I've unlocked Bowser, I've unlocked Dry Bones, I've unlocked Koopa. Like, I, it's... You don't start the game with Mario unlocked, FYI. Oh. Like, I got Toadette for my first um character I could play as. And mm. then, like, on a race-by-race -race basis, there's some weirdness where you'll get, like, bonus XP or something, depending on which character you're using. Like, I, I straight up had a race where Bowser, I typically play that just because I like Bowser in, racing, in, mm -hmm. in Mario Kart, was like, yo, he gets three items per uh, thing you pick up. And, like, that seems bad. And OP, yeah. I, but, like, other characters had it, too, but, like, it was it Maybe it's not random random, but, like, I definitely took, like, oh, Bowser sucks on this track. Still taking him because I'm having fun with him, but I... That game is bad, and then on top of that, to get access to the fastest CC, the, the largest CC motor cart, if you will, you have to pay money, and it's not like it's just a one-time oh, unlock, it's a subscription. Alright, that's that, at this point, that should be a crime. Like, oh, it that, gets that worse. Should... Okay. So, I, I kept going up in rank, I kept going up in CCs, because I remember like, Mario Kart, in my mind, is meant to be played on the fastest, most powerful engines. Like I, yeah, that, that you game start out you, 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 build your skills on some of the lower ones, but immediately once you build your skills there, you want to play on the most, you know, the fastest. Yeah, that, that's cars, the point so. of Mario Kart. Um, yeah, 
I didn't realize how much of a difference the um, different engine sizes made until I went from the second highest one, because I'm not putting money into this game, to the lowest one just out of curiosity. I'm like, oh god, these races are three times longer at low level and just fucking painful. Mm. It sounds like they... Oh no. It's... Uh, yeah, it sounds like a comedy it's, of errors. Yeah, it is. It is heavy with microtransactions. Um, microtransactions are kind of confusing, actually. Like it's it's got a real cool um loot box unlock thing you can interact with, but like beyond that, like it's it's not good. Like I I'm not sure. I I played it because I'd heard bad things. I'm like, well, I'm playing anything new this week, so let's play fucking Mario Kart Tour for the phone. And I'm like, wow, none of these things I heard that were bad are wrong. Hmm. This is all uh, accurate. I'm, I guess I'm kind of not overly surprised, but I think it would have been nice if they had just made the steering with tilting the phone. That's in the game. I have not tried that because I don't like gyro controls. Like, I, it's... Mm. I, I can't imagine but it for being something good. like that, it, it feel... I mean, I'm not saying that it would be, but it seems like that would feel more natural, like you put your hands on it like a steering wheel and you just turn it, but... You'd also be turning the entire screen, so they're gonna yeah. get why maybe it doesn't work out as well. But uh, it's yeah, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I, it's it's not good. It, it's a bad look for Nintendo, I think, to have market. And like, it's sad because the game looks nice. Like it looks which, like. I'm, this means that I'm gonna <sighs> sound shitty when I say this. It looks as good as like the most recent Mario Kart game I've played. Like it. Mm. The graphics looks, are good, yeah. the sound are solid, like, it's... The actual, like, I don't know what you call it, the gameplayness of it is fine? Mm. Like, it looks like a video game-ass video game on your phone. It just doesn't play good. So, what you're saying is, everybody should go play Team Sonic Racing. I, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm saying that necessarily, because they're also <laughs> playing Team Sonic Racing, and... I don't want to be responsible or kind of wrapped up in what led you to that lifestyle, but <laughs> hey, man. Uh, got the well, you don't Sonic have to racing. squeeze in Sega, Sega somewhere. Oh, I know. Like, I, it, it, if the option was like Mario Kart Tour or um, like uh, Sonic Team Racing, I'd go with the option I'm now considering, which is I bought the new um, Shadowrun 6th Edition rulebook, and I'm like, yeah! Not playing Mario Kart Tours motivated me to understand these arbitrary rules for the system. Awesome. But uh, oh, you picked up a uh, Shadowrun yeah. edition. Mm. Yeah, it's got a cool I love cover. Shadowrun. They, they yeah, did the I mean, thing I've always wanted them to do, which is the we have the big stupid rule book, but we also made like a jump into it basic box, which is great. And for people that hmm. have, like, it's I do How not just the basic box. Twenty bucks. Wow! Oh, that's super cheap. And that is really easy. With, it, it comes with the thing I think that should be in the front or like included in every single like full rulebook, which is like kind of the crash course idiot's guide to how the fuck these rules work. Like it's the I get it. I need the ten pages on how these things work for full GMing. But you know, as a GM, I would love to have like the one paragraph blurb. Also yeah. about how this shit works, and it comes with a fantastic little, like, getting started synopsis, where it's like, hey, if you want to run 6th edition light, 
this is all you need to do to get up and running and play a game right now. It comes with a scenario and all the pieces you need and dice and all that shit. And you're like, yeah, you can be playing Shadowrun right now. Sounds like they finally took some cues from what, you know, D&D has been doing with their newer editions. Yeah. Like making it, you know, there's enough, enough depth for anybody who wants to go into that, but also there's an easy way in and they've made it way more accessible to, yeah, I mean, people who aren't willing to invest yeah. in Starfinder had a great of version of this. Um, yeah. uh, I've not played it yet, but I've heard good things about Cyberpunk 2020's Redbox, which is essentially this. Um, mm. uh, the Starfinder one's more useful for GMs. Cause it's like, hey, do you want a bunch of maps and pieces to play with? Yes, 20 bucks. Mm. Here's a pre-written scenario. Okay, cool. But yeah. Here's some pre-made characters. Alrighty. Yeah. No, I, I don't recommend Mario Kart Tour. Mm. Not good. Alex is off somewhere. She doesn't have anything to say this week. But uh, we got video game news. Gotta do it. I'm not sure why I wasn't expecting that, but I wasn't. <laughs> Alright, so let's start off with our Borderlands 3 news. It sold mm. a shit ton of copies. And uh, we kind of assumed it would, but I... Like, Randy Pitchford got out there and said, like, I think before the weekend was even over for the first time this thing was out, that, like, it had already doubled PC sales and shit like that. So, um, wow. that boycott EA shit people were pushing, or not EA, um, Epic, totally worked, guys! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, kind of, like, the, the actual news story we have is that Borderlands sold over 5 million copies in 5 days. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a whole lot. Uh, to put that in perspective, that sold twice as many copies as Borderlands 2. I mean, that's a million a day. I mean, that's a lot. That's hundreds. That's a, like, you know, that's a lot per hour. That's a, that's selling a lot. And kind of on top of that, publisher 2K got out there and revealed that a Borderlands 3 broke. Not Borderlands, not Gearboxes, but 2Ks. Uh, PC launch uh, a five-day record Whoa, across the board. Yeah, and it, despite it being massive. on the Epic Games Store. Mm. Yeah. Apparently, I was also like a, a other little kind of fun details. It like seventy percent of all sales of the game were digital. Mm. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Welcome to the new era. Yep. Uh, but there's kind of an unfortunate asterisk next to this. Not maybe an asterisk, but like a little footnote. Uh. I know we talked about this when we talked about this last week that the game has had some technical problems. It mm. still has some technical problems. So I'm kind of in a anecdotally because I can't confirm this. There's been a couple hot fixes and patches that came out since last we talked about this. That I swear have made the game run worse mm. like <laughs> on my laptop, and this kind of corresponds with the fact that apparently. Uh, this is causing some Xbox One's, uh, Xbox One X's, the most powerful video game console out there, to straight up overheat. Wow. I'm guessing it's because if you're running it, you know, at the, you know, the 2K settings, 2K uh, graphics settings, that's, yeah, uh, that's not good. There's no official reports on this just yet. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's relatively new. I think that people started talking about it on Friday, so probably we'll talk more about this next week. I, mm -hmm. It's been compared some to Red Dead Redemption 2, where people were like, yeah, you could hear the fans 
rev up on my console pretty hard, but never like this has been it overheats, it shuts off the Xbox One X, and then the Xbox One X Ooh. pops back up with like, "Hey, I overheated. Don't let me do that." Notifications. Ooh, yeah. I am kind of in a unsurprising but not great look. Two uh, K has been con- um, contacted about this, and they're like, "Yeah, we're working on it." No time frame, no acknowledgement. It's a problem. It's like. We've notified Gearbox that people are having this problem. I'll say this. It makes my laptop run hot, too. Like, it's... Mm. The game is a beast, and I could not tell you why. Like, I, I, we talked about it some last week. It seems to be very hard on CPUs. I could imagine the Xbox One X is not designed to maybe use all of its CPU. But, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing is, weird thing is, graphically, it doesn't look all that more no, yeah, sophisticated. It, I could not, not explain that, not, to not you like why a it runs jump. so hard. Yeah, I, I mean, it's got, there is definitely, like, slightly higher poly models, but it's not like a massive jump. We're not looking, like, at a, you know, PS1 to PS2 era jump here. Yeah, it, it, the game looks better, but, yeah, no, I, I do not get where the strain is coming from, I guess. Like, it's pretty... Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah. I guess while we're talking about Microsoft stuff, let's talk about... uh, uh, Both Sony and Microsoft had kind of big mini-press conferences this past week. Uh, If you blinked, you may have missed them, because it was pretty easy to miss these. Uh, Xbox got out there and had their... uh, Inside Xbox for I'm not sure if it's for September or just this quarter. They've done a couple of these before. They showed off some games. Uh, so they started off by showing off games that are coming to the Xbox Game Pass, which has done really well for them. Uh, Jump mm-hmm. Force, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Le- and Lego Worlds are being added on the PC version of that. You're also getting City Skylines, Saint Throw 4, Bad North, that I've never even heard of, and Dirt Rally 2. Which, that's a good mix of games there, actually. Yeah. Uh, they announced a new game called Felix the Reaper, which has just got a real cool aesthetic for it. It comes out October 17th. Uh, it's a puzzle game, I think, about killing people. It's not clear. Yeah, I don't see a lot about mechanics here. Yeah. It's a grid-based thing. It seems to be turn-based. Yeah. Yeah. As part of this, they also announced more details for Project X Cloud. Uh, Probably most important of which is that it will open kind of public testing in October, which mm-hmm. by the time this goes up will be right around the corner. Uh, you can you can apply today if you so wish, as of right now, kind of thing. Uh, hmm. It'll be getting Halo Five Guardians, Gears of uh, Gears Five, Sea of Thieves, and Killer Instinct will be the games used to test it. Which mm. it's kind of cool they're acknowledging KI still exists. Yeah. And this shit'll work with an Xbox One controller, wireless, and your phone. So yeah. But yeah, it's hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. But uh yeah, um so, I, yeah, it, that's that's there's a couple more things other... that um, Atlas, that uh pirate MMO from the people behind um God, the dinosaur taming game I'm blanking on the name of right now. Uh mm. Arc? Yeah. The, their okay. game's coming to early... It's been early access. It's coming to Xbox One on October 8th. Mm. Daisy is getting an expansion called Livinda? Livino? 
Lavinioa. I can't read because of the text font. Livonia? Yeah. Whatever. And we got some trailers for Children of Mora out October 15th, Code Vein, which we already knew about, out September 27th, which means it's already out by the time you're hearing this. The Outer Worlds. I'm, I'm actually interested in that one because it's been described as sort of like... Anime. Well, I mean, I know this... It's anime Dark Souls. Yeah, and I know that that's a you know tired comparison, but you know what? I that kind of yeah. I looked at it, kind of looks interesting. Yeah, in any I, case, I've heard it described as the chillest of the Dark Souls, which hmm, is something. That's, yeah, yeah. I got Outer Worlds is still out October twenty fifth. After Party out mm-hmm. October 29th, which I've actually pre ordered because that game looks cool. But drinking mm. your way out of hell. Yeah, from the Oxen Free People. I'm um, Tropico Six, September twenty seventh. Which means already out. Ghost Recon, Breakpoint, uh, the beta is happening right now if you're in that. Cool. They shut off that new Hitman level, which is also already out. I need to go back and play that. And they shut off some... Like, a lot of stuff's already come to pass, actually. Uh, it's yeah. Ace Combat's expansion's already out, and uh, Livonia is, quote, coming s- soon. Yeah. On the opposite side of all that. Sorry, our, our, our producer wants us to remind the audience that uh, anime Dark Souls is actually just Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> Which is not wrong about, in all honesty. Yeah. Maybe uh, anime uh-huh. Bloodborne is actually Vampire Hunter D. Mm. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. see that's a definite. That's definitely true. Um, on the opposite side of things, because Xbox and Sony are totally opposites, uh, we got their state of play, which... They've been doing more and more of lately. Uh, uh, biggest news out of that is Last of Us Part 2 will be out for uh, February 21st, 2020, so get prepared to have a real dark week after Valentine's Day, I guess. Yeah, uh, and uh, apparently for that one, they are focusing on the single player. They're yeah, not going to bother with multiplayer, some people which is good. I, it, not knocking the first it, one, but it had a multiplayer aspect that a lot of people liked after a certain amount of time. I don't think it launched in a great reception, but yeah, I don't remember it all that well. I'm not a huge Last of Us fan, but yeah, it's not in this game. It might come as a standalone thing at a later date. We'll see, but yeah, yeah. probably the biggest reveal from all of that is that Joel is back and looking old. Hmm. Yeah. We also got another look at the uh, Medieval uh, remake they're doing. It looks like a remake of Medieval. Yep. Were you a big fan of that game? That feels like something you might have been into. Not really. Yeah. I didn't play it. I didn't own that one. I had a friend that fucking could not get past this one puzzle segment in Medieval 2 that I managed to beat having never played that goddamn game before. Hmm. And it was just like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, get on the hand. Put your head on the hand. Just do it. I guarantee it will work. Go through the hole in the wall. You can't do that. I thought you could. Yeah. Uh, we got an announcement of a limited edition Death Stranding PS4 Pro, which looks rad as hell. And it also comes with a controller yeah. that is based around the weird baby thing. Or at least inspired by it. It's, the, inspired it's, the, by yeah, the, it's the yellow plastic. I, yeah. I'm always a sucker for like the handprint murder thing like it it feels very death stranding it's one of my favorite like how do we make this look rugged in a post-apocalyptic have we put a bloody hand on it yet just saying yeah. no no we haven't Ooh, that does look like right now yeah yeah that will launch with the game obviously on november 8th i don't think any of us will be getting that because sanity mm-hmm. yeah 
uh, enhanced games, uh, and THA LTD. I don't know how the fuck you pronounce that. Uh, announced a game called Humanity coming 2020. That's by the people who did the Tetris Effect. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, so... yeah, I, didn't, I didn't put two and two together on that one. Um, Wadam, uh, the next game from Katamari Damas- uh, Damacy creator Kita Takasham. Uh, help me on this Takahashi. one, Henry. Thank you. My brain's not cut working right. Will be released <laughs> in December, which is awesome because I want to know what that dude's been up to. And yep. Wadam is fun as hell to say. Mm-hmm. Um, we got an update that Arise, a simple story, is coming soon. PlayStation right. 4. Yay. LNOR, the VR case files, is coming to the PlayStation VR. I think it's already out now for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but- kind of addition to that, Aspire 1, Stardust Odyssey, After the Fall, and Space Channel 5, kind of funky news flash are all coming Which- to that. Which that's gonna be beautiful. Sorry, I'm looking forward to that one. Like, I'm that just would make amazed any time like someone remembers Space Channel Five exists, and they're like, "We need to bring this back." And I'm like, "You should never stop bringing that back." It's such a. Uh, it just. I love the title. I don't I mean, even like the game, and I enjoy that it exists out there. Like, I like it, watching it people also, play that game. It was also like represented a part of the Sega's continuing sort. Like it was, you know, friendship with Michael Jackson yeah. because you know he appears in there. It's it's him. It's Space Michael Michael Jackson. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe some homage to it. But I mean, you know, as we know, like you know, he he was a part. He was kind of like very friendly with Sega. Yeah. For a long time, and yeah, Space Michael had his blessing, and that's him. Yeah. But any case, yeah, I I I look. I'm looking forward to that because it's wacky and rhythmic, and yeah, I could. I think VR is a good fit. To be honest. Yeah, and last but not least, uh, Civilization Six is coming to PS4 November second. I twenty seconds or not second. I still don't know why you'd play a Civ game on a console, but okay. Mm, yeah, the lack of mouse. <laughs> yeah, and kind of like in last uh, little note, uh, little things worth noting for PS4. We don't normally talk about this, but The Last of Us Remastered will be part of the PlayStation Plus lineup for. October, so if you're curious about why people are like, OMG, The Last of Us, now's your chance to find out if you have that system, or go check it out for a brief month kind of thing. Mm. I'm not gonna say get it to play The Last of Us Remastered, because I don't like The Last of Us to say that, but it's a hell of a game. I uh, though On a side note, I will say, as the AI dude, I have I have literally used Last of Us uh, to I, to you to teach about AI, like and because uh, there's actually a uh, a series of books called Game AI Pro, and if you just look up GameAIPro.com, they have the their first two books available for download for free, it, it split up into separate articles, chapters as PDFs. So I mean, and that's from their official site. Like three is the uh, you just you'd have to actually buy the book for three, but. Like, 1 and 2 include stuff from Last of Us that's even featured on the cover, and so if you want to know a little more about the AI in Last of Us, read it. It's actually pretty fascinating. Oh, yeah, no, that, it's weird, because The Last of Us is a hell of a game from a technical, yeah. graphical, environmental standpoint. My beef with it has always been, I don't like how the game plays, and mm. I did not connect with the Joel and Ellie story that people are like, oh, it's so well written, and I'm like, Eh, sure. Not 
but I get why you think that. My de- my heart is dead and feels no emotion. <laughs> yeah, All right. I, yeah, it, the the opening to that game where things happen and you can totally stop those things by, from happening just by not playing into the game telling you to move forward. It's like, oh, there's no ramifications to this. Huh. Okay. It was kind of a weird immersion breaking thing for me that never kind of looped back around and stopped me from having my immersion broken. Mm. The game loves to use the phrase hurry, things are after you when nothing is after you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on from that, we have some... Uh, you want to give me the sound, the Pac-Man death sound effect, Henry? Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. That's a Miss Something Pac-Man like news, a phrase I never thought I'd say on this podcast. Um, as well, what is there to be said about Miss Pac-Man at this point? Well... <laughs> I, apparently a lot, because we are involved, we're, we're not going to try to talk about a uh, fantastic lawsuit? Is Are we in for lawsuit or just gearing up for one based around Miss Pac-Man? Because... And I did not notice till Henry was telling me this. three people own Ms. Pac-Man? Yes. So, Ms. Pac-Man has a weird history because... Alright, so, in a nutshell, you had Pac-Man that came out, and then you had some people from MIT, essentially, that, that, said, that basically created a mod. They created their own mod, and that got bought out to become Ms. Pac-Man, essentially. And so... And you, you had... And because it was like, you know, Atari kind of had Valley Midway, and it was sold around and given around, I mean, it was, it was weird. So, they just, you, if you're interested, you should look into the history of Ms. Pac-Man. It's a weird history to begin with, and that's why it's all over the place. But, in any case, to this, uh, on, to talk about this one in particular, what's going on here. Yeah, so, there is, there is a lawsuit. <laughs> it's all right, so and it's dumb. Like this is some yeah, this is some dumb that we love to cover because basically it's Bandai Namco suing at games, the people that make those beautiful, heavy sarcasm implied. Hopefully, uh, yeah. kind of plug in and play video game consoles you can buy at like the checkout counter of most big box stores for yeah. apparently their deal complicates. Bandai Namco buying out the full rights to the game, which has been a ongoing debate since 1983. Yes. And so, but their reasons for doing so are even funnier because essentially it is because At Games makes garbage and they're kind of angry for At Games doing this thing that's garbage. So, uh, where did At Games, like, get their... Where did they? Who did they buy theirs from? I, or I guess I can't super tell. Like, I, is it wrong that part of me just kind of assumes at games makes things and then waits to get sued? No, I think they had a a. All right, so they had bought the rights for it, uh, or some weird part of the rights. So they have part of the rights. They have something about the publishing or. Uh, it's split into multiple parts, and yeah. that's, that's what makes it complex. That's why Bandai Namco, Bandai Namco has been trying to buy it all up. But yeah, um, so uh, I, don't, I don't see here where they bought, or, they, or at least where At Games is saying they initially got their rights from, but they might have bought it from 
like the remnants of Valley Midway. Or it could have been it could have been said something that snatched up as part of that. Or yeah, maybe since they may have bought it from the MIST people that actually made the original mod. Yeah. Or no, no, they just no, they they a the the model of the cab got sent to students sure. to the people who created the original students at MIT who created the mod of Pac Man that became Ms. Pac Man, and so. Oh yeah, the, because those three created a company called General Computer Corporation that in 1983 entered into an agreement li- assigning rights over the development to Namco. So they kind of sold it. It's, yeah, it's a weird history, but because of this, this whole lawsuit is just kind of wild. Um, oh yeah, okay, so At Games did go to these three people who created General Computer Corporation to get the Royal, see, they got, they have royalty rights. So that's where the weird thing, all right, so they had, so the part of the rights that At Games got access to is apparently the royalty rights to it, not necessarily to the IP itself. And that's weird, but not unheard of. Uh, This is also the same company that got sued, I guess, by Walmart earlier this year. Sorry, not Walmart, Walgreens for hey, we have shit tons of your shitty at games products lying around. Buy them back. Well, yeah, so this, but this particular suit that Bandai Namco has filed is about uh, suing on the grounds of false advertising and unfair competition and copyright infringement. And so the first two are weird. All right, copyright infringement I can kind of get because of this weird multi-part super limbo status of Ms. Pac-Man. But the false advertising unfair comp- the unfair competition claim is an interesting one though. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. This is this is a weird. Yep. This is a very very strange case because of yeah. Like I said, there's there's the the games the the company that belongs to the three people who created the mod who have the who have part of the royalty rights. You have Namco, which has. They seem to have gotten most of the IP and publishing rights, as far as I can tell at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they said, essentially their main claim is that games misrepresented themselves as licensed to make products, rather than just to own part of the royalty rights. But, yeah. Um, yeah, because, see, yeah, okay, so it is clear that At Games did make the agreement with GCC, which is the three people who create the mod. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily give them the right to actually publish a game for it. And so I think in this case, like, actually, Bandai, Bandai Namco are correct. From what it sounds like here, I can't say I'm, I'm not, a co- we're not a copyright lawyer, not a lawyer of any kind. All I can do is read about this. But yeah, um... But yeah, oh, but yeah, because since 1983, like, like Namco has been trying to snap up all of the assorted rights, which for makes Ms. a Pac-Man. lot of sense. Like, yeah, you, like, you got I these mean, weird things floating around out there that complicate any dealings you might do with the game. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you know, we're seeing that happen in real time with Spider-Man. So, I mean, with the different companies owning different sorts of rights to it. I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen this, but this is an interesting one. Because, yeah, it's... Yeah, Ms. Pac-Man. Yeah, read up on that history if you're interested, because it is an interesting history. But in any case, yeah. But yeah. I think it also is interesting to, to note that... 
at games was going to be involved in the Genesis Mini, but then, like, Sega for once thought better of it, and they're like, ah, looking at what you've created, nope, 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 nope. We're creating Genesis Mini on our own, because y'all already tried and, like, screwed it up, so we're doing it ourselves, yep. and, yep, but yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a side note to that. Only Sega fucks Sega. But the other thing is, the Ms. Pac-Man that was released was, that was released, and this is, this is the funny part, it's so bad, it got reviewed so hard, because the thing is, instead of including the arcade port on it, they, or the, the, the arcade version, they included like a console, a port of a console version of Ms. Pac-Man mm. to, to be in this thing. But what they did was, and this was the, the, un, the false advertising, is that for reviews, they sent out the review unit units with the with the arcade game ROM on it, but in retail, it shipped with the NES version, which is going to be it's not going to be the same. So that's that's a huge huge. You know, I mean that's 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 a pretty wide gulf there. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, it's like, yeah, if you're literally going to send something out to review and then sell a worse, way worse version of it, so, and that's why Bandai Namco is saying, you've literally hurt our business because of your crappy work. So, that, yeah, so that's the other aspect of this lawsuit that's kind of wild. They're suing them because they're crap. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, let's move on to another piece of hardware news, I suppose. Uh, the Switch Lite seems to really be popular. Yep. Which may be a problem, because it appears to have all the exact same issues, uh, controller-wise, that the normal Switch did, without the ability to swap out those controllers easily. Yep, it's the joysticks, and they're they're doing... It's the drifting joysticks drift. problem. Yep. Which, mm, I understand why yeah. it happened. I mean, you know, for, the, for a company to produce something in mass, they had to put in their orders many, many months in advance. Possibly a year in advance. Maybe even longer than that. But in any case, they put in these massive orders, and so by the time it gets around that this is actually not good hardware, it's like, we already bought all this stuff. We gotta use it? But, so I, I kind of understand how it happens. You know, they they can't just... Yeah, we're not surprised. This is just infinitely harder to fix. Like, as yeah. shitty as it is to say it, the way to fix the previous one was go buy more Joy-Cons. Like, yeah, you can replace problem, the Joy-Cons. You can replace them, yeah. But the light, as you may or may not know, the light's an all-in-one yep, system. Yep, hard it's, plastic. It's yep, so you can't just rip off the sides. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you, you can. can. It just takes a lot more work, and there's no kind of cool... Uh, switch sound that happens. It's just the cracking and tearing of parts. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yep. Working as intended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this probably actually excite Henry more than me at this point. Uh, Minecraft Earth is coming at you in October. Uh, and I do occasionally pop in, back into Minecraft. Um, I try to ignore the greater notch being a Total knob. We got removed from the game, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I, and I think that's cool. I mean, I, I, 
I think Minecraft is still a really cool and fun and interesting game. I just remember back when we first talked about this, you were super excited about kind of the like the chaos that was the initial Pokemon Go like gym takeover shit. Like that applied to Minecraft, like bombs and all that stuff, where it's like, oh, this is gonna be a nightmare potentially. Yeah. But yeah, the Minecrafter is based around exploring the actual Earth. Like, you know, it is a, yeah, like as you said, it is a Pokemon Go-like thing, which it's an augmented reality game. So that's, that's going to be interesting. So, yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm definitely interested in taking a look at that. So, yeah, I, I just like the idea of, yeah, seeing Minecraft on Earth. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. That that'll be the one AR game I'm probably going to actually play and pick up because I have not played. I never got into Ingress, and I never end up playing Pokemon Go because I guess I'm just a little. I'm by the time Pokemon was a thing, I was kind of already in college, and I was wasn't really terribly interested in it. So, so yeah, I guess yeah, that ages me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, otherwise I probably would be into it. But anyways, yeah. No, it's it's definitely backing on Minecraft, the brand. Yep. But I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, we will definitely see. I like all VR games. We'll pick it up and go, yep, this is an AR game, and then go, nope. Yep. <sighs> we'll jump from AR to VR, I guess. Uh, John Carmack did his Carmacky thing and got out there and said cool things about VR this week. Uh, probably the coolest of which was that coming to the Oculus Quest, they're going to have controller-free hand tracking, which I have got to experience once doing the Void, and it's pretty fucking cool when it works. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. there again, yeah, I, I did, you know, I also, you know... We have both gotten to experience the, the joy of controllerless uh, motion yeah. tracking. Like it's, it's, And it worked pretty darn yeah. well. I was really impressed, yeah. honestly. And that's... It, it's, uh, it's, let's just say that computer vision is a branch of AI that it's all its own weird difficulty. And we haven't talked about this much because none of us own it, but like I guess the v- the Gear VR or sorry, yeah, the, the Gear VR, that's what's I thought it was called the VR uh, Oculus Gear or something for a sec there, seems mm-hmm. to be an Oculus Quest, okay, that's where I get my name mixed up, Oculus Gear and Oculus Quest. Like, those are the two closest to what people really wanted VR to be, and I get you can't go straight yeah. to them because you have to have that first round, but like if you're curious about VR, like they are both substantially kind of higher functioning than their previous their predecessors were. That like if mm-hmm. you said like which VR system should you invest into, I would look into these at this one. They're doing the things VR should have always done that just couldn't because technology had to catch up with it. Like these are yeah. genuinely approaching the point where it's like, yeah, VR may be more on the table than we thought. Mm-hmm. They're pretty impressive pieces of kit and. On top of that, Carmack, uh, the guy who is now in charge of the Oculus stuff, because um, other people ain't around so much anymore for very good <laughs> reasons, uh, got out there and said that he really wants older VR titles to continue to work, kind of moving forward, which is a, like beyond the good guy Carmack moment or whatever. It's a smart move because a lot of people didn't get to experience the earlier stuff of VR, and all the stuff will get mm-hmm. better as the tech improves. Yeah. Like, the only thing will be, you know, trying to make sure, or somehow, you know, seeing how many of those older titles will still be compatible yeah. with newer technology, but, you know, that's 
that's its own conversation. But yeah. it is it is interesting. Like he doesn't want to just yeah, uh, to kind of archive the older VR game yeah. so that somebody can go back and see what was the first generation like. And I think it's one of those important things too, where it's important to see where VR has come from because having a base point of where it started versus where it's now, I think it's important just to kind of mentally understand the leaps and bounds that have happened in a relatively short period of time. And, uh, and of course, you know, it will, it will take advantage, you know, someday those will be old games and they'll be taking advantage of, you know, nostalgia. I love the idea of retro VR games having like a market where it's like, man, these games work too well. I need something that causes a severe eye strain. <laughs> and yeah. motion sickness. VR, the way it was intended. If you're not playing on original Oculus, uh, uh, what was it, the developer kit things you could buy off Kickstarter, are you mm. actually playing a retro VR game? Just saying. Man, I've played around one of the one of those. It's They're rough. rough. I mean, it was still extraordinary Yeah, for when it came out, but pretty rough. I just enjoyed the, the stories. Like, enjoy is probably the wrong word, but like the the aggressive time period of people just getting like violently sick off of them was pretty funny. Yep. Uh, again, my producer wants me to uh, throw in the note that uh, retro VR is '80s VR, which technically already existed. She is correct about that. Yep. Don't think people will get nostalgia for that because that's like fucking virtual boy shit. Like, and I I remember the first time I saw a VR set up in an arcade. Like, and this is back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, around the around the 2000s where I started to see these VR, you know, these kind of set up, very, very simplistic VR things set up in arcades, and which is kind of cool, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it started really in the 80s, and, but it was just, but yeah, it's kind of really fascinating to see how far it's come. Yeah. I, I think the closest I got to VR prior to Oculus stuff was, I I have no idea how old I was. I had a classmate who I'm assuming was rich because they took the entire class to like an arcade thing and they had mm. these like on a robot arm flight simulator things that I guess the inside like you had to be above a certain age to go on them and I was not at the time. It was like it was surprisingly old. Like you had to be 16 or something to ride the system but you could look in and it was like the... It, there was like the Mech Warrior games and some other stuff where like it was a full cockpit kind of thing, which I guess wasn't mm. technically VR, but it gave you that kind of sense of immersion that VR did. Yeah, I remember those as yeah. well. Um, I remember them at there was a chain. I don't even know if it exists anymore at all. Called GameWorks. That may have been uh, what I went to actually. I think mm. they had the like it's like called a game. I think it had the word game, and there was like a segment like Game Quest or something or Quest Zone mm. or some shit, but I don't remember. All I remember about GameWorks is you could get, like, a $20 all-day free Game Pass, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways. Now, while we're on the VR topic, uh, that super-secret VR game that Respawn's been working on is not Titanfall VR, but it's, in fact, mm -hmm. Medal of Honor above and beyond. Because people were asking for it? I, I think this is more <laughs> EA being like, hey, um... We got this IP people love. Do they, do they, EA, do they? Yeah, they fucking love Medal of Honor. People love this shit. They want it to come sure. back. It could be cool. Respawn does good shit, so... I, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt for the time being, I guess. Like, what yeah. they showed doesn't look 
terrible, and if I was gonna trust anyone to make a new Medal of Honor game, it would definitely be Respawn. Eh, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yep. 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 So... Want to talk about uh, Fortnite? Sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, that's I'm, what the kids like. It's the what kids the kids like who that, listen right? to this podcast, the one kid listens to this podcast it's like finally some fucking Fortnite news they have to talk about this week we're on it uh yeah so Fortnite's getting skill-based uh organized play and bots but you know what it's not gonna have mechs yep and now my only reason to play that game is gone yeah as I, 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 it came i none of us know this well because none of us play Fortnite. really I, maybe alex does at this point i don't think so though I get the impression the skill-based organized play has been something people have been asking for for a while. Uh, Epic got out yeah. there and was like, we understand that maybe we shouldn't be matchmaking people that are new to the game with people that are really good at the game because yep. then they have less fun. It's like, yeah, no, that's a no-brainer. And It's been hilarious that it took them this long to figure that one out. I think it was more they had to hit a point where that started to matter to their player base more. Like, I... Mm. The, I saw lots of cynical things that were clickbaity on this topic where it's like, is Fortnite finally dying? And the answer is, yeah, probably a little bit, but not in the same way that, like, your is Fortnite finally dying implies. Like, every game is dying after it hits its peak. Yeah, it's been going for a while now. Yeah. They made a shit ton of money off that game. Yep. Yeah, it so the bots are designed to kind of help flesh out the gaps in matchmaking, because... One versus 100 is still the way you want to play that game on paper kind of thing, which makes a lot of sense. I mm -hmm. The skill plays will kind of put the ninjas of the world with the not ninjas of the world, which also sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Not much more on it than that. I, it's, I'm not sure if we talked about this necessarily, just I read about it. Like The point of the mechs was to make the game easier for low-skill players to kind of have a chance of winning and yep. therefore kind of get into the game more, and yeah, this seems like a better way of going about that. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. But on the opposite end of the esports spectrum, we have Australian esports. Which Now, we cover this initially already, yeah. but there's developments. It's just beautiful. I, <laughs> I, I, oh. I have nowhere to start with this. Like, we got criminal investigations, we got, like, jury betting allegations, or not, not, not Jury uh, gaming allegations. Rigging. Yeah, riggings. That's what I was looking for. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, like, this but is all, now, like, real news outlets talking about this shit, because it's some real gangster shit, too. Like, actually, like, literally gangster stuff, yeah. because organized crime has been linked with the e with this esports. all I ever wanted for, for esports. Yeah. Oh, Wow. I mean, it's not super surprising. I mean, if there's gambling involved, you gotta imagine that there's gonna be some crimes going on so and that organized crime might... we are getting might... ahead of ourselves. We should probably report on the actual stories before we just kind yeah. of relish in the ridiculousness of it. So, yeah, uh, I'm assuming ABC is an Australian broadcast channel yeah. or something yes. along those lines. Like an official news channel went live. It is, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Kind of got out there and started reporting on how Tuesday of past week, uh, the police, the Victoria police, uh, started an investigation to an Australian Counter-Strike player 
who was accused of um, match fixing, essentially. Mm-hmm. For gambling reasons. Uh, yeah. And now, multiple people have been straight up arrested. Yep. Like, player, the, the players have The arrests are rolling in on this one. Apparently the conspiracy is bigger than just one dude. Which makes sense. Yeah. And so, and so, part of the news is, so the Sporting Integrity Intelligence Unit of the Victoria Police... That's just great that, that exists, period. Yeah, I, t I just love... Yeah, that's just awesome. That's some cyberpunk-ass, like, bullshit you have to have. Like, oh, what are you? You're, we're the sports part of the, uh, the police department. What do you do? Investigate gambling and shit. Huh. Yep. We have to have this, apparently. And so this is and so this is big news. So the first we were, you know we mainly were just talking about Counter Strike, but now we're getting links into Overwatch, Australian Overwatch. Yeah, and so organized crime links to the ownership of an Australian-based team that's in the Overwatch Contenders. So Contenders League. So okay, but yeah, that's. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, it's like as I mentioned, it's not super su I'm not super surprised. Oh, no, us are surprised. It's kind of hilarious. Like, oh yeah. Holy crap, and it's for esports. It's what I've always wanted for esports. Like, we 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 esports have finally arrived. We have our first police investigated scandal about kind of uh, match fixing for gambling reasons. I we are finally the, as legitimate as baseball. We've hit the mainstream, boys. Yep. A real news outlet was forced to report on illegal-ass shady shit that was happening in a video game. Yep. This is great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, esports, you've come a long way, baby. Yep, right into organized crime. <laughs> I, I know it's wrong that I love that this is happening as much as I do, but it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're cool again. Some yep. FGC in the basement shit. <laughs> ah, where to go from here? Right, let's do a quickie, I guess, to kind of get it off the board. Um, As part of last week, uh, Sony, specifically, but a lot of other game companies, got out there and said that they need to do more to, you know, combat climate change. Uh, I say Sony specifically because they got out there and said, yeah, we're aware of how much fucking power the PS4 goes through, and uh, we would like to change that because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if... Alright, so... If if y'all aren't aware, the... the most, most electronics, most, like, electronics, they will leach a little bit of power out of the outlet. If you have it plugged in, they are using a little bit of energy because... That's what allows them to sleep, sleep mode, and even TVs and stuff, and all uh, practically the fact every. The that you can turn a device on that manually flipping a switch means it was kind of already on. Yeah, and so it is indeed leaching power. So it looks like that they want to reduce the power consumption of the PS4s, with uh, or the new newer uh, Sony products in general, and that's. Uh, yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I actually had checked this one website where you actually could, you know, 
tell it which game consoles you had, and it, and if you plug them all in all year round, it'll tell you how much extra pow- how much extra money you're paying a month for that leeching. So that's a thing. That's a real thing. So. It's never like bank breaking, but it's more than you'd always expect. But yeah, but it is an extra carbon footprint, and you know what? It's cool. Maybe you know. I don't care if this change is cynical, and it's a change for the better. Who the fuck cares if it's cynical? Yeah, it's a change for the better, yeah. like, regardless of yeah. motivation. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, maybe it did take a 16-year-old to tell everybody, yo, this is a thing, but in any case, hey, you know what, if they, they're already planning on this, and it said that they already did it to a certain extent with the PS4, they tried to make it more efficient, even, like, in its construction, like in the materials to put it together and such. So, uh, but yeah, the, the now they're saying that they're going to go even further with the next generation console, so that's that's good, yeah. you know? And kind of as part of this, a couple other companies got out there and said we're going to make uh, games that at least acknowledge or, in some cases, actually kind of deal with the topic of climate change, which is kind of strange because yeah. I'm playing Gears 5, which isn't itself kind of a game about climate change, but they're right. It never actually flat out says, yo, we did this to the planet. Yeah, yeah. our version was orbital death lasers, but they fucked up the environment. But yeah, it's it's interesting also even into, you know, sustainably sourced packaging for the, you know, because there's still physical copies of games put out there as well as yeah. definitely for hardware. Hardware definitely has packaging. And so, I mean, I've seen instances of this of, Packaging being made out of cardboard instead of, like, the filler made out of cardboard instead of styrofoam. I never have to open another blister pack ever again. I'll be pretty happy. Oh, yeah, blister packs. Which, you know, those exist as, you know, anti-theft deterrents. Yep. Mainly. But in any case, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you know, there again, I don't care if this is cynical or not. This is for the better. It's just going to mean less waste, less, you know, less pollution. And I, I think everybody could agree that, you know what, less pollution, that's a good thing, just in general. Like, yeah. I, I think less pollution, you know, it's like, why pollute more when we can pollute less? Yeah. Speaking of pollution, though, <sighs> Bandersnatch won an Emmy. Mmm. Which just, is just like, the Emmys, uh, maybe Why do I as... say pollution? Because that thing is hot trash. Yeah. Yeah, it's... You know, as much as I like to see experimentation in media, this just wasn't a great experiment. I mean, I'm not saying that it's just the worst. Some people might actually say it's the worst, but I'm like, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either, but it didn't deserve an award. Yeah, so I got a little context. It won the award for Best TV Movie, and on one hand, it's cool, a video game won an Emmy. On the other hand, fuck Bandersnatch. Yeah. It's not good. Like, the story it tells is not good. I, me and my fiancé played through, I think it was like an hour and a half, two hours of it, and just the entire time it was, this is not great. Well, they, they, it's, it's another classic case of they thought of the mechanics and didn't really bother with the story. The story was blah. The mechanics were interesting, honestly. I mean, the mechanics, the, how it worked out, I mean, that's On paper, kind of a cool the way idea to go. of, hey, you can play a Telltale game through Netflix 
is on paper cool as hell. It just it didn't have a compelling story. It, it just didn't did play not have great. A good... I, it... I mean, if you want to, if you want something, an experience that's like that, except better. Um, I, I mentioned before, uh, stories untold, which you can get anywhere on practically anything. Hell, platform, we have a I video of it on the YouTube channel. Uh, night, uh, it's called Night Shift, which is a FM, a full FMV game that is the exact same interface as uh, Bandersnatch. It's just overall better across the board. It's a better game, it's a better story, it's a better movie, Like, and it does absolutely nothing that that thing doesn't do itself already. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. And I think the, I think the upcoming game called, what is it, Emily? That's yeah. Be, yeah, Emily, that, that sounds also very cool. It's like, yep. you like that sort of thing? There's way better versions of it coming out. Indeed. Yeah. So that's it for Bandersnatch. I, so I, yep. I wanted to end the story. I wanted to end our news segment on this story last week because I, on paper, it's a franchise that I don't think any of us. I, I, I did not expect anyone on this podcast to know who Frogware was, but it kind of makes sense. Henry does, and. It's a yep. small developer that most people won't know about unless you're a fan of Giant Bomb, then you possibly are keenly aware of who Frogware is, because they're the people that make all of the uh, Sherlock Holmes games. I think they're, they're yeah. a French company, right? Uh, Ukrainian. Ukrainian, you're right, yeah. I remember it was a European country that wasn't the UK, which is not great, but yeah. Uh See, I have uh, my the one that I kind of liked a lot was the Awakened Sherlock Holmes, the Awakened, and that's the one I have on my Steam account. Yeah, and so it's, it's the one it's the one that's a crossover with Cthulhu stuff. But anyway, so a, a, a kind of a, a little history of who Frogware is. They go back a while, and I don't I don't mean like five, yeah. six. I mean like they have like what thirteen, fourteen games under their belt. Yeah, I mean they're going back into the early two thousands. Yeah, they have a like, shit ton of games. Shocking yeah. numbers of them are kind of B tier Sherlock Holmes games that often like going back to the giant bomb thing for a second, like this is the franchise these are the people that used to give the E three kind of press conferences that like they would lead into it and be like and like and the twist for this game is about halfway through Sherlock Holmes dies and you have to play as Watson to figure it out. Like I, I remember who like there are stories yeah. of um, journalists out there that made it a point to go to these appointments every year and just kind of cover the comedic effect that was the Frog Fraction press conference, the Frog Fraction, the Frogware press conference and the game. And, and they're fine games. Like, the people that like them seem to be hardcore into them. They're just not like 8 million copies sold day one fans. Mm hmm. They've done quite well. And for a long time, they've been using publisher Focus Home who has recently decided to just kind of pull what I can only describe as the dickiest of dick moves when it comes to being a publisher. I, so Frogware announced that they're kind of pulling away from Focus Home. They're going with a different publisher. Are they self-publishing or just changing publishers? Um, they're, yeah, they're wanting to move to self-publishing, yeah. I think is what's happening. But Which, with the rise of digital of that, distribution, makes more and more sense for lots of small companies like this. Yeah, and, and oh, I forgot these are the Sinking City guys as well. I that, that, yep. So they've announced they're doing this, and what would normally happen in this case is like they go some legalese and a contract be written up. They 
kind of for termination of existing contracts and the code and publishing rights of the games would just transfer back to Frogware. Yeah. That is not However. happening. <laughs> and it's not just not happening. Focus Home has been actively stealing code, apparently. Yeah. Like they're they're like withholding the code. Yeah. Some of and the code they're removing the, the game rapidly. They're removing lots of Frogware games off of various digital storefronts. I yeah. And apparently, like, there's been stuff about how, I guess, uh, Focus wanted to get Frogware to sign a new kind of doc, a new contract that says they can't pull their publishing rights, and Frogware's reaction is, we never signed anything like that, and you can't force us to sign a new contract for stuff we already have contracts for, which is true. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, the agreement yeah. expired... As far as that's what frogwares are saying. Yep. But yeah. But now, like, yeah, Focus Home is saying, no, like, we, we aren't even going to give you anything. Like, we will not transfer you any, like... So it sounds like Focus Home does not standing here from the strong stance here. Yeah. But the problem is, there again, this is... Focus Home Interactive is a larger company. Much larger, as most publishers are. And Frogwares is a tiny company. They're not a very large yeah. company at all. And so that's the thing. It's like here, they could easily get you know just beaten out by a large. But they but the thing is, they have the better case. They they own those IPs, and nothing in their contract, as far as what I've read, nothing in their contract says that that the publisher ever owned the IPs themselves. Only publishing rights. So. Mm. This yeah, definitely has is... a vibe of we don't like that you're making like, for a lot of small developers the, the move makes sense like it's the jokes aside both me and Henry knew who Frogware is yeah like they're not they're not like Respawn or Bungie but they're a known quantity amongst their fan base and them going to self-publishing with how easier and easier publishing has become especially with the rise of digital just makes well sense for a small studio. You're not cutting your profits with someone at that point. Like it's as simple as just submitting a game to the Steam marketplace at this point now. Yep. Yeah, like it, it definitely reeks of oh god, people are realizing we're irrelevant, we need to find some way of remaining relevant, and that's not a good look. Yeah. On Focus Home's end, but mm-hmm. I am sure we will talk about this more in the future, simply because yeah. the fact that Frogware is the one that's caught up in this is just like, really, it's Frogware. They make the Sherlock Holmes games. Who the fuck yeah. fucks with Frogware? Yeah. Frogware like, be. why? Yeah. None of these IPs are valuable enough to start a fight over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's niche games. I mean, I'm a niche game player. That's yeah. why I know them. I own their games, but yeah. <sighs> yep. Well, that does it for news this week. Yep. We do have two emails, though. I apologize. Mm. These are older emails from uh, earlier on in the month from when we all got sick, and then we had the super long episode last week, so we did not do emails. But if you will bear with me. Uh, Henry, if you wanted to contact us and send us an email, how would you go about doing that? That would be... WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com What is that email again? 
WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. Spells and sounds down in the show notes, etc. etc. Our first email from earlier on in September, like halfway through the month, I apologize for not getting to this sooner, comes in from Anonymous. Hey, Wicked Awesome Cast. Last week while you were through were talking about Control, Henry mentioned that he's been watching streams of the game and that he seemed to be where his perspective of on the game came from. I do this as well and occasionally hold off buying a game until one of you three talk about it since you tend to cover games I like. On that note, Charlie, please play Gears 5. I got you, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Your thoughts on Gears 4 got me into the franchise, and I'm worried that you chose to talk about Gears Pop last week and completely ignored that Gears 5 was coming out the, this week. Sorry, again, this is an old email. That being said, I have an actual question for you three. Obviously, you can't play everything for a whole slew of reasons, but I was wondering if you ever feel comfortable talking about a game in detail having only watched the stream about the, of the game. Well, that's pretty much what I did for Control, yeah, but I mean, I, but I was latching on to you actually having yeah, played. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, it's the I follow lots of games. I obviously don't have time to play everything. I won't talk in the depth I talk about games unless I've played that game. I just don't feel comfortable doing that because I think everyone's like everyone should form their own opinion, and my opinions are my yeah. own, and it's why you in theory to come to this podcast because you like or agree with or find our opinions about stuff useful kind of thing that's that's the point of this podcast because games journalism isn't kind of a ridiculous joke to a certain extent yeah uh but yeah i i kind of yeah we we try to actually follow along with that like intentionally like we won't give an in-depth review on a game if we haven't actually played it ourselves yeah like like the like the reason I chimed in on control is because I did watch somebody play it in depth. But and only on that because... same note, it's super helpful when someone does that because we, I, I at least I don't take notes when I play a game. Maybe I should, but like you don't remember everything. But Henry's saying like, "Oh, what about this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I did see that. It's nuts, kind of thing." It's super yeah. useful in that regard. But yeah, generally not. You won't you you you're not going to be likely to hear any of us talk about a game that we haven't played yet in depth. I mean, of course, we talk about games all the time that we have not played. Yeah. But it's usually about releases and upcoming games. You know, but it's like, you know, in our opinions on what we've seen it on it so far, you know, it's like, you know, like for you know, Kojima, Kojima's craziness, it's always fun to report. And on also, that, we talk but. about that because all of us have played previous Kojima games, where it's like we kind of know what Kojima's about, but also like we're like we have no fucking clue what Death Stranding is. That's half the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, this week's a perfect example of that, because I, initially, I actually wasn't going to touch uh, Mario Kart Tour until I put it on the news docket, being like, hey, a bunch of people are talking shit about this game, and I'm like, I could just play this, like, I, rather than reporting yeah. other people are saying, I could just, like, quickly thumb through this game and be like, okay, yeah, are they, are they talking mad shit, and I'm like, no, and then I got into, like, how kind of mad shit that game was, and I played a bunch of it, and I'm like, yeah, this game's not good. Yeah, no one is wrong about that. This game is mediocre at best. I, I fully uh, so kind of building off what you were talking about the idea of waiting for someone to talk about stuff. Um, there have been games that I read a write up for, and I'm like, holy shit, I should check this out. Uh, I, I was joking about a couple weeks ago that um from Ashes game I played that I thought I was gonna get the scoop on everyone, and then we didn't because I waited a week to talk about it. Like that was a game I thought no one knew about, and then everyone knew about it, and I'm like, man, 
I'm super <laughs> glad this game's doing well because it's a great game, but man, I thought it'd beat all you fuckers out there with it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not as hip as you thought you were. I, I, I played that game before every other major news article or other stuff they were talking about it, so I'm still hip-ish, but yeah. I, no, I... For me, I like trying to be like a part of why we record on Sundays and not during the week is I like that we occasionally get to beat some game or some outlets out there to market when it comes to certain stuff. Like, obviously, we're not doing reviews, but it's kind of fun to talk about stuff where people have had a chance to like fully circulate their reviews because I, I personally like not knowing a ton about a game before I play it. I'm also semi immune to spoilers, so I fall in a weird category there, but yeah, I, yeah. We will definitely talk about a game we've watched streams of. Like I, we talk about games done quick. None of us are speed running those games, but still kind of cool to talk about them through that lens. Yeah. Like I, we, we talk about trailers for certain games and shit like that too. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. how the thing goes. It's also why I end up talking about a lot of weird indie games yeah. or just lesser known or just not as popular games because those are the games I've played yeah. actually. No, so. and that's part of why Henry is here, actually. Like, it's... At least I thought it was important we were kind of assembling the second round of the team for this to have someone that played the less mainstream stuff because it's important to cover all aspects of gaming. Like, I, we all make jokes about each other's preferences, but, like, I think it's cool that Henry is super into a bunch of video games I have zero tolerance for with some frequency, where it's like, oh, that actually does sound cool, I'll check that one out. No other tactic is, but that one specifically sounds cool. <laughs> like hell, the um, the the one I was talking about—that's from the game. The, the the one from the people that made Slay the Spire. I thought sounded like I'm like, wait, this is a more cyberpunky version of the from the people that Henry was talking about. I will check this shit out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, oh yeah, I I guess it is a more of a major game, but you know these, you know the the. Big next game that from you know the Dead by Daylight people, which I told you about, and you promptly bought that game immediately. Is great. <laughs> I am super mad I had to uninstall Dead by Daylight and that to get Borderlands 3 on my machine. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to uninstall Borderlands 3 and put those two back on because jumping <laughs> into uh, uh, Death Garden for like, a, like one or two matches is a great way to unwind at the end of the day, yeah. It's so fast and just oh, you, fast action. Just fun run, just, yeah. I wish it wouldn't melt my PC, oh, but it's so good. I wish I was a better hunter. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for that email. Yeah. That's thank you, anonymous. Get our second one up. This one also comes from anonymous. Again, I apologize. This came in from middle of the month. I yes, we've already given the explanations as to why. A wicked awesome cast. Last week, some of your silly ideas for new Smash combatants were thrown around, and I came up with a question for you. For you all. What fighting game character would be the weirdest to have a guest character be in? Sorry, uh, what fighting game would it be the weirdest to have a guest character be in? I'm not asking what would be the weirdest guest character, since that's, that's subjective and it's obviously Bayonetta or Cloud in Smash 4, but what game would be the weirdest to have a guest character in as a whole? Oh, okay. Hmm. Huh. That that's an inter- that's an interesting twist on that. Okay. I'd have said here? Tekken up until they did all the weird shit with Tekken. Oh well. Works. I mean, all right. Come on. Tekken's cast of characters is already Fair, just yeah. wild to begin with. I mean, Street it's- Fighter. No. 
Well, I don't know. They, they've already had some, well, I guess from kind of other Capcom franchises yeah. in there, but um, but I would say, you know, not even thinking about fighting games, I'm thinking about games in general, like like seeing Final Fantasy have a drop-in character from, say, Pac-Man shows up in FF7. No, fair, and to your point, they have they, a Monster Hunter <laughs> monsters in Final Fantasy fourteen, and a boss from Final Fantasy fourteen is in Monster Hunter, like, and also, like, Geralt of Rivia is in Monster Hunter, as is Dante yeah. and Mega Man, and my brain thinks Bayonetta showed up in a previous Monster Hunter game, but I actually can't remember if that's true or not. Oh, Bayonetta and Kirby. No, that that works. That works. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, My Hello Kitty World also featuring uh, Splatterhouse character yeah. from Splatterhouse. I, it, uh, that's just weird <laughs> pairings though at that point there's a way of making that work that's like it, it, it's a bad idea but like <laughs> I'd buy that because it's funny it's like oh uh, Splatterhouse and Hello Kitty so it's Hello Kitty Splatterhouse fucking yeah is the Splatterhouse guy wearing the- a Hello Kitty mask or is the Hello Kitty wearing the Splatterhouse guy mask like, well what, of course I say that now but Hello Kitty has had a lot of weird crossovers with a lot of stuff so yeah. actually that would probably be perfectly so at this point I guess we're at a case and a time in history where practically anything works with anything i'm not i'm actually having trouble thinking of a weird game that would to have guest characters in because we've seen some pretty wild characters injected into games we did not expect like i mean even seeing like dante show up in a uh in a shin megami tensei game yeah was was kind of a thing, you know. That was like, oh, uh, sure. I'm gonna why say not? it's any fighting game that has a long kind of history roster that people like. So this is why I said Street Fighter actually, because there's a bunch of fighters from that franchise's past that I know people would love to see in that game. But the idea of being like, hey, we're having a guest character instead of bringing anyone you actually want back, that's just shitty to fans, and that'd be weird. I think at that point. Mm. Like okay, Tekken's kind of that in my brain, except for the fact that Tekken's like, yeah, we're bringing everyone fucking back. Like, and these cool, like, and these characters we're making are cool, and our guest characters are re- fucking ridiculous. Like, it's Geese yeah. Howard or Akuma, and you're like, how? Yeah, and like, uh, and then you know, and Soul Calibur, also made by the same, you know, also made by Namco. Yeah, um, has you know, it, I remember you know Link who was pretty OP in that game, actually, you know, and Darth Vader appeared in there, and, yeah. you know, depending on which version you had. Yeah, so, or Yoda, yeah. Or Yoda. And so, yeah, it's like, but yeah, but as far as franchise, I think it'd be weirder to have guest characters in an RPG, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It'd be, it just to have, like I said, if, if you're playing Final Fantasy and, like, Pac-Man shows up, it's like, sure. <laughs> I guess. Or, like, if you're playing Pac-Man, and Bayonetta shows up on the, in the maze, it's like, uh... I know, that could be kind of funny. I mean, eh, but even saying that, I mean, we've seen, like, you know, kind of themed crossover type games with puzzle games, yeah. I mean, like Tetris Attack, which, and uh, Puyo Puyo mixed with Tetris, and Puyo Puyo having its own cast of characters, and yeah, uh, yeah. At this point, I, I, it's I'm hard pressed to think of a game genre or a specific game where it would be 
any weirder than it already is now to inject a random character in there. Like, I still think you have weirdness possible. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, the fact that Cloud and uh, fucking Bayonetta are in Smash 4 is like, it, it, if you'd said that to me five years ago, I'd be like, fuck you, you liar. Like, yeah. I, I still think you actually have a high possibility of weird guest, of surprising guest characters in Smash because of what Smash is now. Like, Banjo Kazooie in its own weird way is like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, I think it's not so much about what game it is at this point, who owns that game, like Capcom, yeah. anything by, by SNK, like, they're not a hard publisher, like, if yeah. Killer Instinct 2 happens on Xbox and, like, fucking Mario's in that, that would be me going, like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah, that would, okay, that would be kind of a weird one. But yeah, I guess, yeah, I think you're right in that, it, like, for an established franchise that's not really known for ever having guessed anything, and then to toss something in there, that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's what it would be. Yeah. Yeah, we are in the age of anything can appear in anything. Yeah. I mean, we've reported several times of, like, bands appearing in, in games, like MMOs having live concerts, so, I mean, it's kind of wide open. Yeah. Only time will tell, I guess. Hmm. Thank you for writing in, by the way, everyone that wrote in. I apologize for not getting to those sooner. Uh, life and podcasting got in the way, and we all got sick, and that definitely put a damper on our recording schedule. I, we did not forget your emails. I, I just want to throw that out there. Like We, did, we, we were not sitting on them because we thought they were bad. We just had no podcast, and a podcast that was a bear to record and was, we need to end this now <laughs> before our throats give out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for writing again. We love getting the emails. And thank you to everyone who wrote in special just to uh, suggest where Alex is. Yes, thank you so much for he that. He should come and... back with a kind of winner of that next week, so we'll, we'll yeah. see. Uh, yeah. That does it for this week's podcast. Anything you want to talk about we get out of here, uh, Henry? All right, so I am Kraken Zero. that is Z-E-R-0, on Instagram and Facebook. I'm actually, I keep talking about streaming. I I think I want to stream some, you know, spooky, scary games during this month of October. So I think I may, uh, I may end up streaming some of Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak special gigs just because it's, it's a wild game. Uh, but, you know, I'll probably be, you know, checking out some other ones too and, you know, playing them on stream and maybe, you know, uh, the ones that I feel like that won't be spoilers, like, I probably won't do Stories Untold because I just think they're such short games, you should just play them, and they're cheap. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to be trying to doing that. On on Twitch, I am Nomad Har. That's Nomad H-A-R. And yeah, that's how to kind of keep track of me. If I go on, I will be announcing it on my... my but yeah, that's how you can keep track of me. Yeah. I actually never say my social media on this podcast, so it's uh, Mordak, M-O-R-D-4-K, on most social media platforms. It's still Mordak Undivided on every gaming platform. So, yeah, if you want to follow me, do that, I guess. I'm so sorry. So many <laughs> pictures of my dog. Just being <laughs> sorry, weird Sorry, not shit. sorry. Yeah, oh no, you're not stopping me from posting weird photos of my dog. It's my hobby at this point, but, yeah. <laughs> um... That's it for this week, so uh, cue the metal. Yeah.